One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello Scott Hilford. And James Dows. Hello there. Hello, now this might also be the What Culture Gaming Sweatcast, because we're all working in various parts of the world, because our office has been renovated, but you can't work from home nicely, because you've got to have the windows open. So if there's all sorts of background noise and stuff, it's because we're just trying to not pass out. So we'll just see how this goes. We thought we'd run down all the different games that have been pushed, or were otherwise always scheduled for 2023, because you know we might be about to be eating well for the rest of this year, with God of War Ragnarok getting a release day, but 2023 is absolutely stacked. So um, Josh, massive thank you to you for this uh, list together we've got a selection of things we're going to talk about but i am going to run down and um, the list as it stands right now so in terms of specific dates we know that for spoken on january 24th we've got dead space on january 27th we've got the resident evil 4 remake march 24th and then june is robocop rogue city and then everything else is just up for grabs so these these things can land wherever to run these down it's alan wick 2 diablo 4 final fantasy 16 final fantasy 7 rebirth the reboot of forza layers of fears marvel spider-man 2 zelda breath of the wild 2 Street Fighter 6, Redfall, Starfield, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do you know what's nuts about this list, Scott, when mm. I was putting it together? This is only the confirmed stuff. This is yeah. only the stuff that has, like, 2023 at the end of the trailers and whatnot, mm-hmm. or the developers have said it's coming out next year. Because there is so much stuff. Like, if you go on the Wikipedia page, for instance, for 2022 in gaming, and yes. uh, look at all of the stuff with unscheduled dates that were supposed to drop this year that presumably will be pushed to next next year as well like Mm -hmm. it's an insane insane list and you know we've had some chats on this podcast about whether or not this year was disappointing when it came to its releases ultimately with the stuff that's coming out at the end of the year i think it's going to turn out to be a good year overall but it's going to be completely eclipsed by 2023 should these games drop or even 70 percent of these games drop this year has been like a weird inverted sandwich like it opened really really well very meaty opening and then just nothing in the middle filler in the middle bit and then (laughs) Assumably, we're going to end very strongly as well. Hey, it's only an inverted sandwich if you don't like bread. And I love bread, mate. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I would have a sandwich that is mostly bread. So I I've never of all the different food concoctions that you've tried with your, your crisp sandwich. Not sandwich. that I'm knocking a crisp <laughs> sandwich, but I've never tried making like a ham sandwich of like like a bread ham sandwich, like two layers of ham <laughs> and the bread in the middle. I mean, maybe that's a thing. That is a on. plot line in the new Lightyear film, by the way. Is it really? Is that really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if James Dow's quick thoughts on 2023, um, you're not thinking about it yet. I'm looking at the list, and I just don't see any Mario sports games yet, so mm. I'm sure there's a million of those to come. Um, All Mario anyway, games in general. like Odyssey 2 will be next year. I mm. 
personally believe but it just feels like this is like 2021 again how when 2020 happened all the games got released in 2021 instead and all of the games of 2022 are now being released in 2023 so it's just a repeat of what happened two years ago but it's a weird, it's a weird the lineup is outstanding it mm. looks actually really good whether they get delayed again or not you don't know from here so we'll, we'll break some stuff down um josh your first pick was alan wake 2 and this is an overall pool because once you guys had picked your games i was kind of like that's the thing that i'm the most interested in and i can't <laughs> turn this into another final fantasy podcast because i keep doing that on the main pod and on the windup. so it's no we're not gonna talk about final fantasy 7 rebirth anymore <laughs> um at least for this week anyway and um, but yes alan wake 2 um josh why'd you pick this particular game because it's a game that i never thought would happen you know the original mm. alan wake was something of a cult hit like it has its followers but it was an xbox exclusive that didn't do anywhere near as well as microsoft wanted and for years remedy has kind of been talking about the possibility of doing an alan wake 2 but moving on to completely different projects they obviously did quantum break they did control uh and now finally they're circling back around to finally making an alan wake 2 that is supposed to be a full-on survival horror game like doubling mm. down on the horror that was obviously present in the first title and it's just like you know when final fantasy 7 remake was announced and everyone was kind of blown away because it was something that they wanted that they never thought yes. they would get i never thought i would get an alan wake 2 and it almost scares me that it is real because i have so many expectations for it in my brain mm -hmm. that it possibly can't really live up to but it's still just <laughs> right. kind of crazy to me that it exists i, I want to see more from it asap i wonder yeah. if they just had an idea for a horror game overall and then it was just like we should we should do this in the alan wake universe because they've only kind of fleshed out all their shared universe stuff like alan wake and control control kind of brought everything together um obviously you can't do like the max Payne, james mccaffrey stuff because they're separate actors but i just i wonder if they're building to an overall like big shared universe thing that they've already done a little bit of and um, with Alan Wake stuff. But yeah, with Alan Wake 2, I kind of, I want it to be more isolated, but I, I don't necessarily hmm. want it to be bigger. I kind of want it to be an isolated thing with just Alan Wake and do like a really cool visceral horror experience. Because um, for me, Remedy are in a really, really weird um, like place. I think we talked about this in the office uh, with me and you, Josh. I'm not sure if we said this on a podcast, but um, they've got a shooter coming out. It's a free-to-play shooter that they've announced called Vanguard. That's in. Um, it's being made alongside uh, Tencent, who put a lot of money into their company across the last few years. And I just, I don't think of free-to-play shooters when I think of Remedy, and <laughs> nor do I ever want to, to be honest. Yeah. Nor do I. But at the same time, you know, if if that's what it takes to <laughs> get them to make an Alan Wake two or to get them to make a control to i'm kind of fine with that you know like mm -hmm. they are talented developers and hopefully even if uh, something like a free-to-play shooter isn't necessarily an obvious fit for them maybe they can bring something weird to the table i don't know i, I just think perhaps if, if they have the opportunity to do that on top of these sequels that we really want mm -hmm. like that's fine let them let them spread out into other genres and who knows maybe they do this free-to-play title it's surprisingly good and then they pivot into a first-person shooter that is a new franchise for them in the vein of you know a max Payne or I a just control hope they, or what have you i hope they want to do it i hope they're not right. being forced to do the big obvious yeah. thing on the in the market uh james Dow's thoughts on it, the old remedy it, it, here's a question do they sell well remedy games <laughs> control didn't <laughs> no, yeah because anyway. the, the thing is because control is one of my favorite games of 2019 was it yep. when it came out absolutely outstanding i enjoyed quantum break when it released i'm one of the okay. two people that enjoyed that but like <laughs> They deserve, as a studio, so much more respect than they get, and yeah, I hope totally. that it comes. I hope that it comes with Alan Wake too. Mm -hmm. um, the, like the thing is, I was looking up on. The, I was reading up on this the other day because you know I was trying to figure out whether or not Control sold well in the 
idea is it sold well, but it wasn't, you know, like a smash hit. I think mm, that's yeah. like the running theme with all of their games. Alan Wake sold well, but it wasn't a smash hit. And obviously under a publisher as big as Microsoft, well often isn't good enough. But when they're under like this new publisher and in the modern era where a game's initial sales aren't make a break necessarily, they have a longer tail on them with expansions and, you know, a, even like discounted sales. Uh, I think they are managing to excel a little bit more than they were. And as a result, we're able to get sequels to these franchises that are successes. They're just mm. not Call of Duty successes, if yeah. that makes sense. I quite mm-hmm. like the production level they have. Like, they, it's kind of what makes Remedy Remedy. Like, I wouldn't want them to yeah. be too big. That's why I'm a bit wary about them shooting for, um, like, assumedly a first-person shooter, but a free-to-play shooter, um, especially because Crossfire X was just like, what the hell are you guys doing? That that sort of felt like this weird contractual obligation thing that will no one will ever know the real ramifications of. Um, but they were out there uh, before launch saying we were the perfect studio for it. We've always wanted to do a shooter for Crossfire. And it's like, no, you haven't. You guys are the, the Max Payne folk. This, this is a weird <laughs> pivot um, for you. But yeah, I agree. Control was their most accomplished game um, so far. I'm not going to go on about how I didn't like the ending or whatever. Really? Just, yeah, you just did, Scott Hill. Because I can't, I can't outwardly just go, oh, it's five star, loved it. Because then someone will be like, you didn't say that back in 2019, um, which is fair. I thought that it ended a bit too abruptly. But yeah, I was meant, meant okay. to go back and um, play the uh, DLCs. DLCs. I, never, I never got back to, yeah. And um, did you play Weren't them? Alan Wake DLCs. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like a DLC that was to do with Alan Wake? In the yeah, game? they tied him in. Um, yeah. I forget what it's called now. The Alan Wake Experience or something like that. Yeah, yeah. AWE, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that's like a nice idea of sort of being able to go forward together. But yeah, in terms of Alan Wake 2, I guess what do you want to see from that? Do you think they'll bring anything in from control? Do you do you give Alan Wake more powers because he's been more exposed to the sort of otherworldly stuff now, especially when you leave him at the end of Alan Wake One, where maybe um, he's emerged from that space knowing how to I don't know throw stuff about a bit. That would be interesting. I never thought about that possibility. Hmm. Yeah, I like the grounded combat of Alan Wake 1. A lot of people said it was repetitive, and I totally get that, but I kind of like that you were just a dude, and you have a flashlight, and you have a you know a revolver, and that's about it. Well, to, me, what I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, what I want them to learn from Control is kind of the sense of unpredictability in the suspense and the scares. You know, mm. Control is such a engrossing experience because the oldest house, like, constantly surprises you, is constantly changing, is constantly, you know, just throwing you into surreal situations that are scary, that are kind of goofy, that are funny. And Alan Wake 1 didn't really have that. It was way more mm. of a Stephen King, kind of David Lynch style, well, not David Lynch style, Stephen King, st- like, t- early Twin Peaks mm-hmm. style experience where there was some surrealism but at the same time a lot of it was just you in a forest fighting some uh, spirits and that's quite fun but I want to see them kind of go madder with the dreamscapes go madder with the enemies go madder with the surprises and maybe even make it like uh, way more of an Evil Within 2 inspired open world game where you're going into areas and you have no idea what's behind this door you know what's going to be down this alley that is such a good model and I hope everyone rips off Evil Within 2 but especially Alan Wake too. And is it a beautiful yeah. pull? Evil Within 2 is one of the most under-copied games that should be an inspiration for the entire industry. I fully agree. Evil Within 2 is like one of the best survival horror games in the past <laughs> 10 years. Arguably, Scott, even on, better than the Resident Evil 2 remake. Some would say that. I, I, some implies more than one, which is, I don't know <laughs> if that's true, but someone has said that um, in the past. James Dallas, what, actually, well, we, we talked a lot about Alan Way 2. What's your closing thoughts on the old Alan Way 2 based on the love of Control? 
Oh, whatever Josh is saying sounds fantastic, man. <laughs> Give me all that stuff. Um, that was your pick was um, Legend. Sorry, Mr. James Dells, your pick was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, which is a, a big old contender in advance. Mm-hmm. Pay it forward for Game of the Year 2023. It's How can that possibly be? God, I hope it comes out. Like, I really <laughs> hope it comes out. I know it won't. Something will I happen. Hope it's real. Yeah, I don't believe it because um, what have they shown? Like two minutes of gameplay so far. It's been the same thing. Yeah, they did like a through the ceiling. Tiny and little six bit months of later, six months later, they brought out a new trailer where he once again went through the exact same spot. But now he had a sword. It's just like give us. They know what they're doing with the marketing team. They know that we want more, mm-hmm. and they won't give us more. And then there was no E3 or any direct during June, so we want more. But Do if. You... Go on, sorry. Do you think that like Nintendo's rollout of stuff is like they skirt over all the regular criticisms that we levy at Sony and Xbox because their release schedule is just so sporadic as it is? Like there's such <laughs> a weird rollout of games for the rest of this year. They've announced the um the Switch OLED Splatoon 3 edition, and it's like, oh yeah, Splatoon 3, that's a thing. And it's yeah. like there's not that much else that's a big deal. There's the Metroid uh, Prime 4 stuff, but that's barely been talked about. There's the Prime trilogy remake yeah. and stuff. But it's all over it the seem, place. It seems like they're going for the approach of um, kind of like what Fallout 4 did, where they mm. announce it and then a month later it comes out. Like Kirby wasn't that long until that came out. No, um, no that's true. I mean, they just announced another Kirby. Th- like, that's, that looked actually ago. quite good, that Fall, Fall Guys Kirby game. I was saying, Jules, is this not this is like the first time that Nintendo aren't the ones being copies? Like, it's very rare that Nintendo go, oh, there's a thing There's a thing doing the rounds and we'll do yeah. our version of that. I could be missing something really obvious. That's interesting, yeah. But most of the time, they're the ones going, we pioneer and you guys copy. Whereas as soon as that thing started, and you can, you can absolutely argue that that game is a yeah. mini Mario Party and that they pioneered all this stuff. But mm. when they open on the shot that looks exactly like Fall Guys, yeah. they, they're very much going, hey, Fall Guys, yeah, we, we do that too. And uh, it's going to be available during that the That is summer. interesting. Have Nintendo ever copied? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the thing. Knows? I mean, I remember the, um, oh my God, the creator of Croc said that Yoshi was a ripoff of Croc. And he said that he had a meeting <laughs> with um, uh, Miyamoto back in the day who uh, thanked him for giving him the idea. And then no one else could corroborate that story. Um, but right. yes, in regards to Breath of the Wild, Mr. Yes. Josh Brown. Dude, I mean, I have been looking forward to... I'm not as much of a Nintendosman as you mm. two are. However, Breath of the Wild uh, is one of my favorite games ever. It's the thing that made me get a Switch in the first place, and I've been waiting to see any morsels of content that they are willing <laughs> to gift us with over the past few years. I'm a little bit annoyed, though I fully understand why it's been delayed, that we didn't get God of War Ragnarok versus Elden Ring versus Breath of the Wild 2 Whoa. this year, because that would have been one hell of a potential game. <laughs> of the year the wrestling threat. Right. yeah 100% however you know judging on the games releasing next year it seems like it's going to be uh, some good competition anyway but yeah as far as Breath of the Wild 2 goes or the sequel to Breath of the Wild as they're mm. calling it like I am only just now dabbling in the other Zelda games like I said this is my first one uh, so I'm just interested to see how they make a direct sequel because that's mm-hmm. so novel for them like what do they take from Breath of the Wild and how do they expand it like you know the footage that we've seen suggests they're adding this entire new level of verticality to it with these areas and these locations like in the sky and that's cool but how are they going to differentiate it from what came before and are they going to differentiate it that much judging on how well 
that game sold and how mm. much of a positive reception it had. And my final question for Breath of the Wild 2 is, is it going to come along alongside new hardware? Is this the game that huh. we finally get a Switch Pro um, for, you know, because Breath of the Wild 1 itself was this kind of cross-generational title that initially started development on the Wii, then it became uh, Wii U, sorry, and then it came to the Switch. Does this start development also on the Switch and then come to both that and the Switch Pro? I'm not sure, but if I was Nintendo, that's what I would do. But at I... the same time, it's probably best they don't take advice from me. They might be bankrupt, but still, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> they might end up playing the Evil Within 2 all the way through. Just, <laughs> gonna, you got to avoid that at all costs. To be honest. I'm very I interested think, yeah. in the uh, development time. It has been six years since uh breath of the wild and then it was six years since the one prior to that so like this i'm obviously covid uh is a restriction but like six years of development is it going to be an entirely new world in the sky and below and in the ocean like is it i don't know like they've already got the engine there so that's already done the hard bit's done i just can't wait to see how much content is in it i just hope uh, they because they remastered skyward sword uh last year i think it was yes. last year yeah. soon uh-huh. recently and that was abysmal. And I, I just joined oh, the people. Oh, heavens. It was a horrible game. Skyward Sword is, is a horrible game. <laughs> just your little mangled face in my direction. I, when we finished that game, we were like, that was an absolute slog. Me more than you. Fall, <laughs> Love and Thunder all over again. But I'm just saying. This is true. Let's listen. Was it a slog in the later hours? Absolutely. Do I look back on it fondly? Absolutely. Like, that game okay. is obviously flawed. I think it is way too extended for what it is. Like, it has no business being as long as it is and throwing you new objectives you know 20 hours in or whatever mm-hmm. however i do still like that was the second zelda right of a i was gonna it. say i think it's which certainly does uh give me some rose tinted glasses but uh I, I have no grand point to this other than the fact that i actually thought it was quite good <laughs> that's what i was gonna say is if, if they're taking influence from skyward sword that was the immediate go-to especially visually of like there's a bunch of kingdoms in the sky type stuff yeah. um and assumed that's why they remastered it to remind people that what that game is and, and what you do in that game um i just hope they tighten that stuff up like yeah it was more just the amount of backtracking you had to do how boring the puzzles got like there were some great dungeons but it just didn't maximize the idea of a zelda in the sky which assumedly will be what this one is what they should have done in the meantime is uh bring the ports from the Wii U of Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. Yeah, like why they should be on the Switch whilst we wait. Well, the amount um, of time, but they had so many opportunities. There's been so many anniversary collections that yeah. they just haven't yeah. taken advantage of. There was the 35th one uh, last year that they didn't bother doing do hardly anything with. A few yep. stickers on the eShop. That's yeah. all we got, man. And it's such a shame. All I want to do is play all of those older games, and all I cannot do is play those older games, and it absolutely yeah. sucks. <laughs> like, just give me an easy way to play these iconic titles on the Switch without mm. making me buy some online service for like 35 quid. <laughs> <laughs> to get 10 games I don't want in one game that I do. Like, make that more accessible. The thing is, Nintendo's, the, the, only, the only two options are that, or you wait and it's timed availability for a month and then it's £50. Pounds. Oh. You want to give them your money. It's so stupid. <laughs> This is it. This is it. Isn't this like just video games? Like you want to give these companies your money for the stuff you want. And every single time they go, what if you gave us your money for something you don't want? For this instead, (laughs) for some microtransactions, for a bundle of games where you don't want to play half of them. I'm being negative. I might just buy a Wii U and get the uh, virtual console on that instead. That's arguably a a way to go. It's. I mean, that's the that's the hilarity of your options in the modern day. It's either illegal emulation or some attempt at the Wii U. Breath of the Wild Two it's going to be a whole thing i'm there for tribal link i think the redesign of link looks badass i just want to see more of that but i agree with Dows that they've shown the same thing twice it's just one of those games that maybe it's just because it's so far in the future i think the same thing that you said josh that it'll be the game that releases alongside the next switch which i hope is going to be called the super nintendo switch and you do 
that Breath of the Wild 2. And um, you do the next Mario, you do all that, all that governs because people like me, absolute idiots, bought the OLED switch because that was clearly the only component of the new switch that was ready last year. For whatever reason, all those diode charges. Jason Schreier's not wrong. It dude <laughs> knew it was out there. And we ended up getting the OLED version. You say it's a Super Nintendo Switch. It won't be. It'll be the new Nintendo Switch XL. <laughs> Just to throw all the grandmas off of Christmas again. <laughs> Every can't... single grandma who went into a game shop, can I have the new old new... Oh, <laughs> so stupid. Can I get Final Fantasy VII, please? It's one of five. <laughs> whatever it is. Um, next one down. Um, speaking of Final Fantasy, I will super quickly talk about Final Fantasy XVI, um, which is more to say I'm going to bat it over to you guys, because I know that um, obviously I'm default excited because it is the next main installment, first one since 2016. Um, but I'm curious how this is landing overall. I'm curious whether you guys are interested in it. I'm also curious in Mr. James Dallas, because you've not talked about Final Fantasy that much. And we've, <laughs> we've, we've, we've been near it. each other quite a lot. And somehow in my radius, I've not, I've not come at you with the Final Fantasy. Uh, my uh, games were Kingdom Hearts. I played all of those. Oh. And I think I said to you recently that I thought Cloud was a Kingdom Hearts character. You did. God, you did. Yeah. I blanked that. But thanks for that. Yeah. With a little yeah, wrap no, around I've his arms and all that. Not touched a Final Fantasy game. It's just too many. Like, how do you start with a 16th one when there's 1 to 15 before? Well, I don't know if you're doing a bit, but you don't need to. I remember you and thinking Oh, that. no, I'm not doing a bit. Really? Know. Oh, my God. Okay. Someone realizes this every single year. They're all separate. There's not, they're not numbered. They're not one yeah, it's big not story. Seven and eight, the same. Is that not a continuation? No. Oh, <laughs> they're all for me. <laughs> no, no. The thing is, like, that's a massive failure of their marketing across the history yeah. of a gaming history that every year someone else finds this out that they're not, they're all completely separate. Like, um, it's like Xenoblade Chronicles. They're all separate, which I only found out this year. Okay. As well. I didn't know that until right didn't now. I love yeah. this. <laughs> well, that was what the thing. It? I was well, they like like light elements. It's like Final Fantasy. Like okay, that's the same like creature. That's like like a Moogle is in some of those. A Chocobo is in multiple ones, but the stories are all different. And then in um, Xenoblade, I was like, I'll go back and I'll play Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and I'll get ready for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And then in my research, it was like, you don't need to do that at all. You can just come in on Chronicles 3. I'm like, well, do, you, do, do we know why we're using numbers? Are we just doing this? Is this just for a laugh? Final Fantasy 16, though, um, Mr. Dallas, have you seen the footage? Are you No, I've not. I've not. Okay. Honestly, mate, I've not seen anything to do with it. I wonder if it is Ran bad screen. marketing on their part or bad viewership from me. I wonder. Well, I think if you're, if you think that the anyone thinks that Final Fantasy is one giant 15, 16 part saga, then yeah, it's only going to be yeah. intimidating as to where the hell do I begin? I have a question for you, Scott. What do, do you think? And I think we might have briefly touched on this on one of the wind-ups, but what do you think about them now releasing Final Fantasy 15 and Final Fantasy 7 uh, Part 2 Rebirth in the same year, in the same or 16 window? Sorry, 16, yeah, huh. sorry. Sorry, I referred to it as 15. Yes, sorry. 16, the new game and Final Fantasy 7 Part 2. Like, what do you think of releasing these two hugely anticipated Final Fantasy games that would absolutely dominate the entire year's conversation if they were <laughs> released in isolation close together? I mean, I'm sure they are looking at it as an excuse to print money, but yeah, yep. what do you think? It's, it's weird because I'm curious what people like Douse think because the way that because you're saying you love Kingdom Hearts and the, the, all the reboot the reboot of Final Fantasy VII the remake the it's not even a reboot like the continuation of Final Fantasy VII remake um is Tetsuya Nomura through and through so if you like your big over the top Kingdom Hearts governs mm -hmm. that's all over the Final Fantasy VII remake and like the fact that they've rejigged the timeline and um, they're in they're remaking Crisis Core those on the PSP to install at different origin points so that you've got all this stuff. Like when it comes to next year, um, assumedly, hopefully, I guess it to their degree, uh, their part, 
all of that Final Fantasy VII stuff will just be established and we'll know where we stand on it after Crisis Core that comes this year. But I think that if you're someone like Davos, you're just like, what does any of this mean? (laughs) These are words and numbers that mean nothing. But that's like me to Kingdom Hearts because it was like Kingdom Hearts 352 divided by 6.3 or whatever it was. I I don't even know what this is. 352 by four days, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah, what the hell is that? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) And it was (laughs) 2.8, (laughs) 2.5. I do think that's a good point, man, because, you know, I am just like the entire Kingdom Hearts lore, its number and sequence, like, just boils my head. Like, (laughs) just freshly boils it. They've all got hearts and metaphorical hearts. (laughs) I jumped into Kingdom Hearts 3 as my first Kingdom Hearts game, and I was thinking, what? is happening here <laughs> so i can totally see that you know just being transplanted onto final fantasy as well which mm-hmm. also has all these sub-series go and has all of these spin-offs to get the full story as uh, so for some reason i can you know take that more with final fantasy perhaps because like you say each game is discreet and you only have to really know the law about that game and its spin-offs whereas Kingdom Hearts, at least to me, feels more encompassing. Like Kingdom Hearts is mm. one thing and you need to know all of the yeah. mythology, whereas here you can like jump in and out. And mm. I think that's probably the reason why Final Fantasy feels a little bit more accessible to me and why I would jump into um six. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 16. Because if well, I jump into 16, I know that's the start of a new story mm-hmm. and I won't need to have played, uh, you know, 15.3 to that's fully what understand they it. Hope. 
the marketing has done. They hope that people go, oh, okay, this is the new one. And like, but as is clear, like I said, literally every year, I remember you and realizing this last year that they're not all one big story. Um, yeah, they would hope that that's the case. But yeah, Final Fantasy VII is the first, the remake stuff is the first time they've done a Kingdom Hearts thing of one of their original um, installments, and they're like blown it all the way out. They've done sequels before, like Final Fantasy X to or thirteen, like had like a trilogy that was all Final Fantasy thirteen. But yeah, it's just it's a lot of Final Fantasy, and because Seven is such a weird, off in its own direction Kingdom Hearts type thing, then hopefully that frees it up to let people have the the headspace to care about sixteen separately. Um, I don't know. I'll be jumping into everything and then talking at you both about all of it so <laughs> there is that um but yeah i'm curious how, how all that stuff uh, comes together now josh your next game down was star wars jedi survivor uh, which is the follow-up to jedi fallen order and hopefully will be very good hopefully scott tilford um i recently went back to replay uh, jedi fallen order with the intention mm. to fully complete it i was on the star wars obi-wan hype i was thinking hell yeah i'm gonna get in a star wars mood gonna watch boba fett when to play this game and i got five hours or so into fallen order and i was a little bit disappointed because i loved Ooh. that game at the time but it was more of a pleasant surprise like i had no expectations for a ea you know published star wars game back in 2019 or whenever it dropped mm-hmm. uh, and i thought it was incredible however going back to it i can see so much room for improvement especially when it comes to the platforming sections and it comes to the puzzle sections because so much of that game is kind of bogged down on a replay by kind of like this busy work in the levels where mm-hmm. you're having to solve these kind of boring puzzles with your force powers you're kind of having to do these platforming sections that are that are okay but they're mostly just functional so with this game being a sequel i want to see respawn kind of give it the Titanfall 2 treatment and by that I say I mean take a set of mechanics that were solid and very promising and just finally live up to their true potential I want them to cut the fat and Mm. focus on what made the original game so great and I do think if they do that it has the potential to be like one of the games of the year if they get that right and i have full uh, faith in respawn's ability to do to do that the fact that it's a next gen exclusive if i'm getting my facts right uh, is also really enticing because you know the what they can do to the star wars world with the power of next gen kind of rendering and the lightning fast ssd in terms of how the worlds are put together that's really exciting Mm -hmm. Uh, and i kind of just want to see what that game on a bigger scale looks like and also i i really enjoyed the story the first time around i found myself really liking cal kestis and the performance from the actor i think it's a cameron monaghan cameron monaghan yeah yeah uh, like that was another great surprise and it ended in a real tantalizing way the fact that this picks up five years after is really cool i want to know what's been happening overall i just think it has so much potential uh, across the board so hopefully they won't mess it up hopefully not mr james Dawson, where are you at on the old star wars um i played it when it came out but it didn't stick with me personally i wasn't mm. as big a fan uh, i understood it i wanted to play it purely because it was respawn's next game yes. and them as a developer are arguably up there in the top ones because Titanfall 2 is one of the best games ever made. Oh, he's <laughs> so, it, it he's so right. That's such a is. good thing to say. Um, and if they're going by sequels being the best thing they make, this mm-hmm. will be the best thing they make. <laughs> this <laughs> next Star Wars game. Yeah. You would hope so. I mean, that's it. my thing with Fallen Order was that I thought it just started getting really good in the last level. And yeah. it was like, here's all the powers. You're really comfortable with them. You're gutting stormtroopers and throwing the bodies at two other stormtroopers. And I was like, this is brilliant. And then it ended. And I thought it ended mm-hmm. so, so strong. The Vader cameo actually was pretty well done. I thought making him like a weird sort of um, like Halloween or Jason style stand in 
all that stuff was good. Um, and I'm actually going to take this opportunity to do a um, a segue into Josh's other game that we can quickly talk about, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's another one for 2023. It's because the heat's getting to me, and it's been half an hour we've been recording. But carry on. Texas <laughs> He's Chainsaw like, Massacre. I'm getting, you know, like hand signs from Scott on the Zoom call, just being like, wrap it up, wrap it up. Don't you dare spend <laughs> gotta get it done. more <laughs> so than five hot. minutes on Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I'll quickly talk about this. No, there's no actual rush. I'm just no, a very shiny man in this small room. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah texas chains are obviously not as big as breath of the wild or even a jedi uh, survivor or anything but this has piqued my interest because i think uh horror movie license games over the past few years have just been like low-key incredible you know we had yeah. friday the 13th predator hunting grounds wasn't as good but it was still interesting we had evil dead the game this year which i really loved mm-hmm. and texas chainsaw massacre i think as a series is just ripe to be adapted in an asymmetrical horror game format like the idea of you controlling leatherface while you hunt down these survivors across like you know 1970s run down texas outback levels like that to me is just like incredibly tantalizing mm. and hopefully uh, they can adapt the series in a authentic way because one of the things that's really elevated all of these horror games is the clear love that the developers have for these uh, franchises and their mm-hmm. ability to adapt the iconography in video game form. It's just, I think, a dream come true for a lot of horror fans. And I'm hoping Texas Chainsaw not only continues the trend, but maybe even improves the ceiling of quality when it drops next year. I don't know if you can hear a lovely van that's back, backing up outside my window. But even if you can't, <laughs> Mr. James Douse, I want to know what you think of asymmetrical multiplayer, whether you've been um, bitten by the old... The I'm just portal. currently watching the Leatherface trailer now because I remember it coming out and it looks actually really good. I'm not yeah, going to lie to you, Josh. This actually looks very good. Fair play. That's this, all I'll say. <laughs> right. This is the thing. I think this is the reaction a lot of people have. I know, Scott, you've recently gotten into the Friday the 13th game. I was just going to say, way. shout out to that game. It's so good. 100%. I think these games, to a lot of outsiders, myself included before I even jumped in, kind of just feel like, you know, double A licensed games mm. that are disposable. And then once you kind of like properly get to play them or see mm. someone else play them, you realize that there's a level of polish and a level level of passion and craft that goes into them that is genuinely doing something different in the licensed game space and i hope that the more kind of exposure that this kind of sub franchise gets and the subgenre gets uh, the more popular it becomes i know it's always been popular on steam and stuff but i mean between like uh players like you and i who would maybe not jump into these titles otherwise like the, the biggest misconception was assuming that it had to be played as a squad, that you have to play with a bunch of yeah. friends. And it's obviously really good like that. Um, But we played it with me and my wife and a bunch of friends just over at the house. And I played it like we played it as like a sort of quasi group game where we're all sort of watching. Oh, my God, he's around the corner to hide here and do whatever. But then also you play it. It works as a single player game, I would say. I'm obviously not in a campaign sense, but in terms of just the enjoyability of the survival side of it, where you're just sort of, okay, I'm going to hide here or I'm going to do whatever as one of the survivors. I'm going to talk about Friday the 13th. Um, but when you are playing as the killer as well, it's like different ways to embody certain scenes from the movies. And um, I think it has a really good power dynamic swing in that regard, like especially when you go match to match. Um, and so especially if you're like rematching with the same people, it's like, okay, now I'm the killer and you guys are all going to try and run away from me. And that's just kind of fun. Um, so yeah, Texas Chainsaw feels like the next one of those games, even though I feel like the genre hasn't really like become it. It's not come into its own yet. You've got Friday the 13th, you've got Evil Dead, there's Predator um, Hunting Grounds. And then assumedly this might be the one that finally like puts the bow on it. 
I think it's kind of because uh, Dead by Daylight sort of That's became it. the one that yeah, everyone yeah. gravitated towards. And obviously that has uh, licensed killers and survivors from uh, movies, TV and other games. You know, you've mm-hmm. even got Resident Evil crossovers in there that it's kind of become all encompassing. It's almost become like the horror movie game platform in and of itself. So the stuff like Grand Theft Auto, Friday the 13th and Evil Dead are more niche in comparison. But yeah, mm-hmm. I fully agree. Yeah. I hope enough people get on these dedicated releases to raise it i remember seeing um also dead by daylight was just like on the top 10 trending and i barely heard of it and i was one of the first times Mm. that something just blew up and i was like what the hell even is this thing this looks like giddy fun like i I think that's the best description of it it looks like you're actually like excited and like scared at the same time this is i love this genre i really do it's a good Um, yeah. James Downs, I'm gonna when this comes out, uh, or maybe even before, I want to kick you and Dan Dirk on a fortnight and properly. <laughs> nah, nah, you can't. Good luck at that, man. Nah, <laughs> this is an hour. I mean, this is an hour. This is a year out. Like the vibing <laughs> season will be over by then. It'll be time for Texas. But Leatherface will be in Fortnite by that point. <laughs> That's, That's, <what> I mean. <laughs> That's true. Nah, man, he's all, he's already been in Call of Duty Warzone. He can't. He can't That's double true. dip. But then that culture dies when Leatherface does the dab or whatever you call it. What's that thing where you go back and forth? What's that? Floss. 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 Nice. Oh, Come we on, could Scott. do that. Leather with Floss. Chainsaw. That would be fun. He's be he's cool. known for like weird dancers, so it wouldn't even be that like fun. Uh, if they brought this one where he holds it up and spins around a bit, then yeah. do that. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Happen with the chainsaw when he, when he like pulls it like that kind of thing. That'd be awesome. That could be his uh, self kill animation if he gets it wrong. I would yeah. take that. Next <laughs> thing down is Spider-Man 2, um, which is it's kind of like low-key, one of the most anticipated games of next year. And I feel like whenever there's a trailer for it, a teaser for it, or whatever, we always erupt, and oh my god, I can't wait to see more of this game. And then it kind of just, it goes as quick as it comes on kind of thing. And it doesn't have this undercurrent of anticipation like um, Elden Ring did, or like God of War does, or whatever, where it's always in the conversation. But I'm sure as um, the year comes into view next year, this will become one of the biggest games to, uh, to talk about. But um, Spider-Man Mr. James Dallas was one of your picks. So I was very late to the game with that one because I only got my PS5 um, a year ago, about a year and whatever. And that was when I first played it for the first ever time. So I never played the original with the original Spider-Man visual man person because obviously they changed it. Right. Didn't they? Oh, the original Peter Parker face. Yeah, because they changed Peter Parker. Yeah, that's right. Um, And I adore Insomniac games. And then that when I played that, I played Ratchet and Clank. And then I went back through their back catalogue because Insomniac are... Once again, one of the best developers ever. James Dallas, I say a phrase sometimes that Josh doesn't agree with. I think Insomniac are the best game dev on the planet. I yeah, think they're above Naughty Dog. I can oh. agree with that. How can, uh, Josh, if if you're going to pull that face, I'm going to speak to you. <laughs> Spider-Man, no, no, Ratchet and & Clank and Miles Morales were in the same, what, six months? Yeah. Yeah. And both two of the best games of the past few years. Uh, listen, I will not deny that it is incredibly impressive to release two eight out of ten games within six months of each other. However, <laughs> I would prefer one ten out of ten game every two years. Is all I'm saying. You know, stay I'm away from the Last of Us Two. Then, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. The Last of Us Two isn't ten out of ten. It's five stars out of five stars. Oh. You know, that's all I get around that one. Amazing gaming banter. Um, but fresh. like. So this is coming out, and then you know they're working on um, uh, what's he called, Wolverine Man as well. Yes. Like they've got so many. How many com- like people work for this company? Like there's so many games being pumped out. 
It's not meant to be that big either. I mean, they were the ones getting out there saying that they had a really solid work regimen and that they don't crunch or whatever. So yeah. you would hope that that's the case. Um, well, but yeah, they've had a hell of a turnaround. I the, the thing is, I will cede um, to Josh that like the thing that they don't deliver is that level of weight that the likes of a Naughty Dog game have yeah. and have had for the last 10 years. Um, and that's that's the thing that I don't know if I need them doing that. I don't think that mm-hmm. like there's that whole thing in gaming. This is a whole other conversation about something that can only reach a five star quality if it has that narrative weight or heft to it. Um, which I don't agree with necessarily. Um, but at the same time, it would be interesting to see them try and do a sort of story-focused game that just happened to have incredible mechanics, which is almost what Spidey is, but it's yeah. like still mechanically yeah. driven or whatever. So I, I do see that side of it, that like Naughty Dog are in a world of their own in that regard. Yeah, I think with Spider-Man 2, I mean, look, I love the original Spider-Man, but uh, replaying it recently, I've played that game like three or four times now. Like, it it has room for improvement. I think it's incredible. I would recommend it to everyone. I think the story is amazing. Haha, pun it, not intended. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's in a lot of ways, spectacular. It's the <laughs> ultimate Spider-Man experience. <laughs> um, but in a lot of ways, you know, it is very much a Spider-Man game, and that is good, but some of the open-world missions feel a little bit archaic, you know, mm. like those sections where it just tells you to, you know, go out, do some petty crimes until you unlock the next story mission. Things yeah. like that um, are fine. They're totally fine. It doesn't drag the experience down, but I don't think they could do that again with Spider-Man mm. 2. I think you need to uh, update that open world so it feels a little bit more natural going from story mission to story mission and side mission to side mission and a little bit more varied in terms of the content you're you know, embarking on. It is a weird one because um, I platinum Spidey and it was that I very, very rarely platinum games. So it was one of those ones that I just hoovered up and I got the DLC. I tried to do as much stuff in that as possible. And that the DLC was where they you could really tell it was like, okay, this mission type times 10. So yeah. I, I kind of do want a bit more to the main campaign, not in a rinse repeat kind of sense. Um, but I did find that I got that platinum quite easily um, compared yeah. to like the five platinums I've got. I don't know if you and would that... agree with this, Scott, but you've been playing through the Arkham games recently. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest strengths of City and Night, especially, is the way that it rolls side missions out to you. You know, mm-hmm. you could just be in the open world and suddenly you'll stumble on a crime scene. Or suddenly the man bat will pop up like out of yeah. nowhere. And it doesn't feel like you're going to a waypoint marker to do 10 Taskmaster uh, kind of like <laughs> uh, challenge modes or anything like that. And I, I want to see in Spider-Man 2 uh, that kind of naturalism to the world i want like the moment in red dead redemption 2 where i stopped my horse and saw an arm on the side of the road and followed the blood trail to a murder corpse obviously right, right. not as grim as that in spider-man but i want in a couple be of to that in in um kind of like whatever open world they give us i think that kind of immersion in the sandbox itself it was missing in the first game yeah. and if you want to be talked about alongside the greats of the open world genre i think you need that element of surprise and that element of, of immersion i feel like skyrim set that in motion like you'd have like an npc run out to you and be like oh my god you gotta help me such and such thing and then most of the time it was it was the same thing would play out where you'd get jumped by a bunch of npcs and stuff but in spidey you have the button to like press triangle if someone's waving at you and you can wave back at them or point the finger guns at them or high five them and stuff maybe they can use that as a way to like branch some stuff out and um, james house you attempted to say something before I believe. Oh, I wish I could remember. <laughs> <laughs> Ratchet and Clank, how you said about E2 Platinum. Like, yeah. I uh, 100%ed Ratchet and Clank uh, very easily. So, like, their games seem to either be very short or very easy or something. I don't know what it is, but either way, I love it. 
because I just turn my mind off and play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was one of my all-time favorites, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't ever play it again. Yeah, uh, they, Spider-Man, sort of... I never played that again. I played the Miles Morales one again because, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, that looked way better on a PS5 roll of you know, sun rays and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just want another one. I just want two somehow. <laughs> I'm with you there, Douse, in a way, because, I look again, I'm not disparaging Insomniac. They are great developers. They make great games. However, Spider-Man's the only game of theirs, really, that stuck with me. You know, for mm-hmm. as good and as opulent as Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart was, I'm with you. Like, I played that game, yeah. and I never thought about it again. You know, I played Sunset yeah. Overdrive. I liked it, and then barely thought about going back to it again. You yeah. know, sometimes I'll put it in a list because I do want people to find that out. But otherwise, it's like it had doesn't have that lasting power that Spider-Man yeah. did, and that's why I kind of viewed that as a step up for them because it mm. reached the level of you're going to remember this for a long time in a way that I won't remember the Ratchet and Clank games. And yeah, by I playing it again, that. are you just wanting to swing? Is that all you're wanting to do, just swing around? <laughs> There's, it's certainly... Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say I'll go back and do the missions. I'll certainly swing yeah. around. But sometimes... <laughs> That's all I'll go back for the story because I do think, you know, it yeah. has a story worth replaying. It has characters worth revisiting. So it's it's a little bit more than the swinging, but I will admit that's 99% of it. Yeah. I need them to, because um, I, I was someone who played, just would put on the old Spider-Man 2 game on PlayStation 2 and just put the yeah. radio on back before podcasts. And then podcast 2, because um, that was a game you could just hang out in the city in. And I just like the way that that stuff felt. And there's one tiny little thing that I'm, I'm going to do. The first thing I tested in the Spider-Man when it first came out in 2018 is climbing all the way up a really, really tall tower, jumping all the way off and catching um like uh, firing out a web at the last second and you need that whiplash effect of like the, the momentum carries through and then slingshots you away again and this one doesn't have it it mm. slows you down too much it doesn't have a way for the physics model to uh, to um, accommodate how fast you're coming down into that swing whereas the spider-man 2 game on playstation 2 probably because they just barely accounted for it and the physics just bug out pings you across the entirety of new york and so i want that i need them to find a happy medium i need them to acknowledge that i'm coming into a swing a lot faster i've got a question jumping Brief. off just the uh ha, jumping off the Leaping building off. and swinging into another point what a great segue and <laughs> uh, my question is make sure you hold triangle and circle we've had a million spider-man games now where we've been in new york we've had spider-man 2018 where we've had the best version of new york yet we've had spider-man miles morales where it was winter in new york and it was excellent (laughs) how many times can they do new york and that might sound like a stupid question because spider-man and new york are practically you know inseparable like new york manhattan is a character in those stories however from a video game perspective how many times can we be in that world uh, mm. before it becomes stale and familiar. I think we can get away with it one more time. However, when Spider-Man 3 comes around, I actually would like either more dedicated levels inside the sandbox or maybe yes. an entirely different sandbox in general yeah. and go international with it. I thought you were talking about like biomes because I was going to say for me, I bounced right off Shattered Dimensions because it opens in, um, it's Craven the Hunter's land. It's still in New York, but it's all like jungle levels. And uh, and I was like, this is fine, but it's not what I want from Spidey. Like I like the whole in the, in the city biome vibe of spidey um and so like i mean that's my thing um in is it in far from home when he goes on the road trip or whatever it is in the movie don't care like i'm i don't care about sitcoms when you take <laughs> out of the sit part of it that's why i'm there i want that situation comedy that's why i'm there so like if you if there's something that's massively identifiable about a character um and in this case new york for me is just as much a lifeblood part of the spidey mythos as spidey then i just, for me it loses a bit of itself if you set it like in i don't even know where some other city entirely 
Mm-hmm. What if they did something like, and <laughs> sorry, I don't really know my comics lore on this, but you know, hmm. Spider-Man 2099 presumably is in a futuristic version of New York. Like, I what if they did so. still a city. something yeah. like that? I know, yeah, it's still a city, but like, what if they shook it up by keeping it New York, but by going into the future or into another dimension or into the past or something? Oh, like but that. I personally would probably still take that. Mister Dallas, where do you come down on the whole location appeal thing? In Endgame or Infinity War, Spider-Man went to space. <laughs> he does, and that's the end of that. Put it in space. I put it anywhere. Um, no, I, I unfortunately, Scott, disagree with you because what it's just going to be so boring. Go around the same New York, surely. Well, not for the history of the characters for like sixty years. <laughs> <laughs> Move on, man. I'm, I'm not you, Peter Parker. Go to space, mate. I, think, I think the difference is, you know, if you look at the comics, or even if you look at the movies, like because they're only a limited amount of time in, they only get a limited amount of time in which they have to tell their stories like you don't see new york in totality but when you mm. play a spider-man game you see every street yeah. you are towering above every single borough in every single True. biome so you get to know it way more than you do in a comic or a tv show or even you know the thing is i'm not saying like it can't be done I, I do like the like spidey 2099 setting too i just think that like for me it hasn't been done to death yet i think that um right. the uh 2018 model was a really good it was a one to 16th replica of new york i thought they did that stuff really really well and I kind of just think that, like what you said, Josh, of like you need you need to have more in-depth levels inside that. You plug them all in. Let's say I don't know if it means that the game's file size becomes humongous or something, but like for me, it's all about what you pack into that place. And you kind of Arkham City, where you've got the the city just is what you do in between the other levels themselves, which can be a detriment if all you want to do is get to the next level. But I think if you fill it in well, then you can balance both sides. It was the level where you went to the you broke everyone out the prison. Yeah, was it? You Rikers, broke, yeah. Yes, the rat. That was insane. It? Yeah, that was an insane level in that. Maybe mm-hmm. there could be more. I don't really know Spider-Man law too well, so maybe there could just be other locations around. I don't know. Yeah, but like, quite a lot of the games have done that before, where you just like you set something. I mean, because they didn't, you couldn't get to the top of the Statue of Liberty in this one, but you could in the Spider-Man Two game on yeah. PS2. And I just, I wonder, because considering how much this game, the 2018 one, was in the conversation of like, okay, this is the new best Spider-Man game. This beats Spider-Man Two, which set all these bars back in like 2004. Um, but you couldn't go across to, um, I forgot what you call the island, and climb the Statue of Liberty. I wonder if that's what they've been waiting for. And you sort of flesh things out that way. You maybe do a whole mission over there now mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that and flesh it out that way. Um, but anyway, 2023 is absolutely rammed. The games that we've talked about, most of them, in fact, all the ones we talked about don't have release dates yet. Um, but we'll keep an eye on stuff. And there's still plenty to play across the rest of 2022 as well. Um, for now, though, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by James Dows. It's been great. And Josh Brown. It really has been great. Go and get cooled down and we'll catch you next week. Ah, Goodbye. Let's turn this fan on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.